You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, back from vacation. I'm your host, Joshua Balta. We have quite a lot to get into on this episode. LaMelo Ball's extension, Miles Bridges signs. His qualifying offer to be back in Charlotte this upcoming season. P.J. Washington, what is going to happen with him? All of a sudden, there were reports that Grant Williams might be coming to Charlotte or that Charlotte has interest in him. Is that with P.J., without P.J.? Who knows? Going to get into that and then Summer League. (laughs) Do we have to? Do we have to talk Summer League? I. I'm so sick of talking about the Hornets Summer League every every single year. But we'll get into it. We'll do it. It's not going to be pretty, but we're going to do it. Okay. First off, LaMelo Ball's extension. The keys to the franchise have officially been handed over to one LaMelo Ball. It is his team now. This is his franchise He is the leader. He is the face moving forward. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. And this has been in question in years prior by some people in the fan base, probably mainly led by LaMelo stands. We we welcome LaMelo stands. LaMelo Ball's on our team, right? We welcome them. I know some people get frustrated with them. Sometimes I do as well because I am a Charlotte Hornets guy first. I am, you know, Hugo the Hornet logo going all the way back to the 90s rendition of the Charlotte Hornets. That's who I am. This is the this is the team of my childhood. This was my first love. Okay. And so the frustrating thing with the LaMelo Ball only fans, the LaMelo stands, is that they don't care about this franchise. They only care about LaMelo and what's best for LaMelo, right? And so that gets frustrating for us and those of us who love this team, if we put the fan hat on real quick. For those of us who love the team, that's what gets frustrating by the LaMelo Ball only fans. Not only fans, don't go to... LaMelo Ball does not have an OnlyFans account. Don't... Not not that. The LaMelo Ball only stands. There we go. Okay, got to fix that. Gosh, you know, 2023. There's a lot going on in this world these days. Um, do not look that up. I, I don't even know what you would find. Uh, it's not going to be LaMelo, okay? It's going to be that that lookalike guy with that, that got that bowl cut that was going around. People trying to say LaMelo Ball did this. No, no. Um, oh, my gosh. Um. This is LaMelo's team. And so for for some time, people had it in question. You know, he comes into the league, drafted third overall, and he's on the bench behind Devontae Graham. And that ticked a lot of people off. He ended up winning the starting job, like, within a couple months. It was nothing, right? Um, But then you have Bismack Biombo and Cody Zeller and Mason Plumley. That's your center rotation, and you have a guy in LaMelo Ball with the skill set that he has, a top five passer in the league, and people wanted a rim-running, authoritative, athletic center to pair LaMelo with. He had Miles Bridges on the wing, but to kind of give you that that three-tier, like, offensive, you know, attack to where you have – LaMelo up top, Miles Bridges on the wing, being able to, you know, mid-range, attack the rim, put pressure on the rim, all of those things. But then also a pick-and-roll partner in a big. A lot of people took that as a slight. And that we really weren't utilizing LaMelo Ball's strengths as much as we needed to. And so the organization did try to go out and add centers, but none of them were NBA ready or the prototype that fits alongside LaMelo Ball. And so we had to endure multiple seasons with Mason Plumley alongside him, which Mason Plumley had a great season last 
last year. He also had increased opportunities. We were also had enormous injuries and, you know, he took his chances and his opportunities on a bad team. I mean, we can state that at the same time. We can say Mason Plumley had a good year for him and also say he's never had more opportunities in his life. He took advantage of some of those, so I'll give it to him. But, you know, the franchise showed that they knew that Mason Plumley wasn't the answer there either. And so LaMelo Ball, it was in question for some time. Is he going to come back to Charlotte? No playoff uh, appearances, two play-ins, but then got blown out in both of them. Rookie of the year, all-star, had a lot of regular season accolades, won 43 games, uh, was the best player on that team just in year two. A lot of people had some concerns. I never really did. I always thought LaMelo was going to sign it. All all signs pointed to LaMelo Ball taking the money, signing the contract, and remaining in Charlotte. That was really never a concern. But the concern was, is this LaMelo's team? What are we doing to facilitate him? Are we going to put the pieces around him in order to do that? And that's what this extension now says. And actually, if you want to go back, I think we can read into this. This is this is a little speculatory, okay? But I think that we can read into this. I think this actually took place on draft night. And in the drafting process, because we saw LaMelo Ball in the gym watching Brandon Miller's workout. He was likely there for Scoot Henderson's workout as well. So we don't want to say, oh, no, LaMelo wasn't there for Scoot, but he was for Brandon Miller. We don't want to say that because he probably was. But just going back to last season, last offseason, when the coaching search was happening, Mitch Kupchak stated that we – do not have a player on this team that I would consult when it comes to hiring a head coach, which was another kind of slight for those people who were hoping that this was LaMelo Ball's team, that the franchise was handing this thing over to LaMelo Ball. But then when Mitch Kupchak states that, that kind of points to no, like we don't have one of those guys yet. But then now all of a sudden this year, video comes out and we see LaMelo Ball in the gym during pre-NBA draft watching Brandon Miller and so that starts to yield hey you know this franchise is starting to turn a little bit and then on draft night when the Charlotte Hornets select Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson I still think it's such a bad decision. Uh, I haven't changed on that. Last night didn't change that. We'll get into that later on in the episode. I think that I think that's a bad decision, and we'll get into that later. But where you can turn me on that is if Lamelo really did have input, and your decision was, "Hey, this is Lamelo Ball's team. We have to move forward." We're we are going to sign him to that extension, and it's time that we make him the face. And Miles Bridges kind of ruined that. Okay. Miles Bridges was semi in that discussion, but after last year, he ruined that. This is LaMelo Ball's team. There's not another guy that's stepping in. Terry Rozier is not going to be here long term. Gordon Hayward is not going to be here long term. Uh, LaMelo Ball's our best player already. And so it makes sense. It makes sense. There's, but on draft night, by selecting Brandon Miller, that gives way and thought over to this is LaMelo Ball's team. We're not bringing in Scoot. Uh, LaMelo was there during the workout process. Was LaMelo consulted on this pick? Was he maybe not consulted with this pick, but also, but was he in the minds of the front office and the scouts when they were looking at pairing LaMelo Ball with either Scoot or Brandon Miller? We saw LaMelo's reaction whenever Brandon Miller was the pick, whenever they were talking on the phone. It seemed like this is what LaMelo wanted. 
And so you can semi sell me on that. I don't like it still. <laughs> like even still, I want the better player on the team. And there's no doubt in my in my mind that Scoot Henderson is the better basketball player than Brandon Miller. That hasn't changed since we drafted him. I was upset draft night. I was upset, really upset the next morning. Uh, we got to move forward with Brandon Miller. It is what it is, but I think that's just – I think that was a really bad selection. Uh, but if LaMelo Ball signed off on it, if that's who he wanted, that can help me to stomach it a little bit better, I guess. But this team belongs to LaMelo Ball. And between the extension and drafting Brandon Miller, there's no doubt about that. Between those two things, this is now LaMelo Ball's team. Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball's favorite teammate from his first two seasons in the league, another LaMelo move, which Miles, Miles was coming back all along, and... We've had prior episodes on the domestic violence charges, what Miles Bridges did, our position on that. If you want to go find those and listen to those, you can. But just strictly basketball. Well, semi-strictly basketball. Miles Bridges signed a one-year $7.9 million qualifying offer, which lands him in Charlotte for this upcoming season. But then he will be an unrestricted free agent next offseason. So this, currently, he was a restricted free agent, meaning that the Charlotte Hornets could match any offer that he received from any other team. Go out there, see what you can get from any other team, and then we have final say to decide, hey, we're going to bring you back at that same number, or nah, they can have you. Or the third option, sign and trade, of course. Now they can have you, but we want something back in return. Or we'll just sign it and keep you. So how bad do you really want this guy? Miles Bridges bets on himself. Clutch Sports, Rich Paul bet on themselves and say, you know what? No, that's not good enough. We were going to receive nearly $30 million, maybe more than that, last offseason. Uh, $7.9 million. We'll take that risk, but we're not coming at – coming in at the number that the Charlotte Hornets are trying to push us on right now. What this tells me, this tells me a couple of things. The Charlotte Hornets were doing a damn good job on negotiating with Miles Bridges and Rich Paul by not throwing the bag at a player who sent this franchise into absolute turmoil over the past 12 months. I, there are no favors that the Charlotte Hornets should be doing for Miles Bridges. None. And so by not giving in to whatever number he wanted, I give a round of applause, a standing round of applause for the front office for not giving in to clutch Rich Paul and Miles Bridges once. So for all of the times that the front office gets slammed for draft picks or for not being aggressive enough in free agency or, you know, uh, roster construction or, you know, giving young guys opportunities, blah, 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 whatever it may be, they knocked it out of the park on this one. Another thing this tells me is that there weren't many other teams interested at the price that Miles Bridges was wanting, because one of two things, either there was insignificant interest in Miles Bridges at all, or other teams were offering roughly the same level of contract as the Charlotte Hornets. I can't, I've stated on this podcast before prior, and then I also on Hornets lead the other day stated, I think, the contract number for Miles Bridges is a one and one 15 mil per. So a two year, $30 million deal with a team option in year two. That's what I think. And I'm thinking that's probably what it was because if Miles Bridges is landing 20 plus million dollars a year, I, and it's 
their multiple years on the deal. I think he signs that. Um, that may be naive of me. Maybe they're seeking that $30, $35 million extension. They saw a lot of players get paid this offseason. So strapping in on a long-term deal at a lower price, maybe that did not interest them. And so Miles Bridges is essentially betting on himself, saying, I'm going to come back. I'm going to win games for this franchise. I'm going to average 20 and 6. And I'm going to be the player that I was pre-domestic violence charges. And so he's betting on himself to see next offseason what he can garner. Now, that's fine if you want to do that. But at the end of the day, there just wasn't a lot of interest at the number that they were seeking around the league whatsoever. And so to bring Miles Bridges back at $7.9 million, from a basketball standpoint, that's a win for the Hornets. You don't lose a guy that you developed that turned into a good player. But then at the same time, like, he hasn't played in how long? The guy hasn't played since April of 2022. So, I mean, we're talking 15 months at this ju- at this point in time. You can't overpay him. So a lot of people are like, no, we're going to regret this. We should have paid him now because next year he's going to get that much. Why pay him now if we're just if we're going to have the option to pay him next offseason as well? That makes no sense. Make him prove that he is still a good NBA player. He's had a lot of time off. He's going to miss 10 games next season. You can't count on his character at this point. He needs to prove things in his personal life that he can be counted on and then also that he can still play ball because he's been out of the game for quite some time. So, for the Charlotte Hornets, bringing him back one year, sure. Now, what this means, Miles Bridges uh, can essentially veto any trade this upcoming season. He has essentially a no-trade clause. But whichever team that he's traded to do not own his bird rights. The bird rights are not transferred. But the Charlotte Hornets, if he remains a Hornet, then the Charlotte Hornets do retain his bird rights, which means that next offseason, the Charlotte Hornets can essentially go over the cap to, not essentially, they can, the Charlotte Hornets can go over the salary cap to retain Miles Bridges on whatever number that contract uh, balloons to. And in addition, he will receive a yearly increase, a salary increase each year using those bird rights. Okay, to where other teams who are interested in Miles Bridges, if they want to pay him X amount of dollars, they have to have the cap space. They have to fit it underneath the cap, or they have to use an exception in order to fit him onto the team, onto the books, to where the Charlotte Hornets can sign him and it's at whatever price. Doesn't matter if we go over the cap. So the Charlotte Hornets will still have an advantage over opposing teams even next offseason when it comes to Miles Bridges, all right? And so if he does improve as a person, if he can be counted on, if he goes and he does all of the um, all of the stipulations in his court order, if he sees those out, he produces on the basketball floor and he proves that he can be counted on and that he's learning from this, then the Charlotte Hornets will revisit this next offseason. We'll see where it goes. But this was absolutely phenomenal work from the front office. Do not overpay. And they did it. There was no reason to bet against yourself. There were not any other NBA teams when we look at this and what the final decision from Clutch Sports, from Rich Paul, from Miles Bridges. There weren't many other teams that just were dying to have Miles Bridges. He was probably receiving a short-term deal, maybe two years max, no long-term money, and so here we are. Great work by the front office, not giving in. Give him the one year. We'll see what he does. Prove it year for Miles Bridges. It is what it is. A lot of talk about P.J. Washington, what's going to happen with him. I keep uh, checking all the noties to see if anything is happening here. 
nothing yet. P.J. Washington is a restricted free agent, meaning that the Charlotte Hornets can match any offer that he receives on the open market. There aren't many other teams that can fit him under the salary cap, but sign-in trades could happen to where this could be a situation where P.J. Washington is on the move. Now, when it comes to P.J. Washington, he needs to be a Hornet. P.J. Washington should be a Hornet. And that really shouldn't be a hot take. The Charlotte Hornets have one player currently rostered that can play the four spot, power forward, and that's Miles Bridges. He's going to be out the first 10 games of the season. He's probably going to miss some additional games at some point with some kind of nagging, you know, soreness or somewhat of an injury. And so I think it's safe to say that Miles Bridges is going to be in that 60-game realm um, between the suspension and, you know, a possible, you know, nagging injury or tweak or something like that, right? The Charlotte Hornets (laughs) – we saw last night. We're going to get into this more. Kai Jones is not ready. I'm not sure he will ever be ready. He's not a power forward. He can't shoot from outside in a game. Yeah, maybe in his highlight videos, maybe in his workout videos over the summer. He can't shoot in a game. He cannot stretch the floor. He's too erratic. The guy is not NBA ready. You cannot put him on an NBA floor and expect for your team to do good things. There's not another power forward on this roster for the Charlotte Hornets. P.J. Washington has to be brought back. It's just... It is what it is, and I guess if he gets over 20 mil, you can. it can be a situation where I can start to you know, kind of turn on that. I don't think he's going to get that number. Um, he has unfollowed the Hornets, and he has set his location to Dallas. Um, that could, Players do this stuff all the time. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I mean, going to the NFL ranks, Lamar Jackson unfollowed the Ravens had the back and forth. He tweeted for months talking about it, and guess what? He ended up coming back to Baltimore, right? It was just a bunch of under-the-surface play that uh, essentially meant nothing, okay? And so who cares, all right, if he did that? Maybe he's pressing the Hornets. Um, We'll see, okay? P.J. Washington has to be back in Charlotte, we need him <laughs> at the four. He can hit the three. I mean, he's shooting 37% from three for his career. That's that's really good, all right, for a power forward. That's really good for a power forward. Um, P.J. Washington offers plus defense. He can guard multiple positions. Yes, do I want to see him become a more ferocious rebounder? Yes, of course. Would I like to see him improve even more defensively? Yes. Do I want to see more consistency out of P.J. Washington? Yes. But at this point, we can we can match any offer. Uh, the, the team is starting to come together. You have LaMelo Ball. Miles Bridges is back. Mark Williams fortifying your center rotation now. The, there's a hole at four. Why would you give up on your guy who has improved every single year since you drafted him, that this is not the time. Run it back, sign him to an extension, let's move. Now, there's been some talks about Grant Williams. I like Grant Williams. I think there's a world in which Grant Williams and P.J. Washington can both thrive in Charlotte. I truly do. And so if Grant Williams, the Charlotte Hornets would have to use the full mid-level exception in order to bring him in. That's $12.4 million per year. That is That can be, I think that's a four-year deal, I, if I'm not mistaken. And so you can essentially lock into a four-year $50 million contract with the Charlotte Hornets if you're Grant Williams. I like that front court uh, depth. Now, what does that do for some of your young guys? Your JT Thors, your Kai Joneses. Um, who cares? I don't know what to tell you. Um, 
I want to win. And I think the, the, the fastest track to this team winning is bringing in real players who can produce now. And there has to be consolidation on this roster. I've echoed that and echoed that over the past two months since the season ended. We cannot continue with these rookie sophomores and juniors, all of these young guys taking up all of these roster spots. That's why we do not have vet leadership. That's why we do not know what we have in all of our young guys because we have so many. We're, we're throwing scraps, and they're just fending for themselves, and we're not really – we don't know what we fully have in these young guys because they're all fighting for the same thing. And so bringing in Grant Williams, I, that that like solidifies the roster. You would have your power forward rotation. You have your center rotation in Mark Williams and Nick Richards. You would have your power forward rotation in P.J. Washington and Grant Williams. You would have your small forward rotation in Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, and Brandon Miller. You would have your shooting guard rotation in Terry Rozier and Brandon Miller. And then your point guard. We need a backup point guard. Teo Maladon is a restricted free agent as well. Is that where this organization sees us going? You have Nick Smith Jr. that you just uh, drafted in the first round. Is that something where you believe that he's more NBA ready now than and that he would be a serviceable option? Because you just let D, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. walk. That was another thing that I didn't allude to at the beginning. Dennis Smith Jr. is now a Brooklyn net. The Hornets front office did not believe in him enough to bring him back, and I kind of get it. For Dennis Smith Jr. was quickly becoming a fan favorite, and his defensive capabilities were top-notch. You've seen all of the reports, the metrics, different things, stating how Dennis Smith Jr. was a top-10 you know, perimeter defender in the league, and all of that is great. But when you shoot 21% from three, it's hard to argue that you deserve to be back. And yes, the Charlotte Hornets need perimeter defensive players. There's no doubt. And so did you – what's happening here? Did you cut off a strength in order to lean into a weakness so that you can improve upon the strength that you already have, which is scoring? Did you – uh, you know, are you just going to completely lean into we are going to outscore our opponent and hopefully the guys that are out there can, you know, maybe hopefully Mark Williams can provide you enough defensive capabilities to where you're good. P.J. Washington, maybe Miles Bridges, maybe LaMelo Ball takes a step uh, up defensively and you just kind of rely on those guys. Maybe you bring in a Grant Williams who can guard multiple positions as well. And you just lean on those guys to play enough defense to where you can win. I mean, that's one strategy. I mean, I, I mean, it is. You may not like it. Some people may not like it. We, you know, defense has been a problem for us here in Charlotte for quite some time. But I mean, that's that's one way to do it. You have Mark Williams now. You bring PJ Washington back. Lamelo Ball takes a step up. Maybe you bring in a Grant Williams, Miles Bridges. You see. I mean, the the tools are there to be a decent defensive team. So maybe you don't need Dennis Smith Jr. Maybe you need somebody who can facilitate and be a threat from outside and still give you decent-ish defense. And maybe you can find that. I, I, I don't know where you're going to find that, honestly, looking at the available pool. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. Summer League. Holy hell, guys. The Charlotte Hornets are the worst Summer League team of all time. So, I mean, you want to talk about hot takes and hyperbolic uh points being made during summer league uh, sue me for saying the following but 
our summer league team year in and year out disappoints. And there's only one game, but it was a hellacious one game. I don't know what can be said about this. <laughs> Trying to find some bright spots. And a, a lot of people did. It seems like a coping mechanism a lot of times. Um, when people try to find the good in the midst of just downright suck and ugly. Um, we've done that a lot here in Charlotte. There's just really not a lot of good to take from last night. And for those who are stretching and really trying to find those moments, I salute you for your optimism. I salute you for um, your hope that <laughs> – these guys can be something moving forward, but there's just not – guys, we got 30-pieced throughout the night by a Spurs roster who I'm looking at it, and I just uh, – I don't see a lot. I mean, you have Champigny, who was the best player on the floor, by far, it's not even close. I mean, the guy had 38 rebounds, two assists, four steals. He was a plus 28. Um, <laughs> he hit five threes. He shot nearly 50% from the field. He knocked down seven of nine free throws. I mean, Champigny was by far the best player on the court. It wasn't even close. Uh, Barlow was really good as well. Uh, Sissoko wasn't great. Um, that's the thing with the Spurs. They really had three, four guys who played well, but that's kind of what you get when the Charlotte Hornets had zero guys who played well. And some people might say, Brandon Miller scored 18 points. Not trying to jump to conclusions here. And like I've stated on uh, previous episodes, I want to be wrong. I want to be so wrong when it comes to Brandon Miller. But last night, last night gave me nothing to change my mind for the good. Um, I'll lead with a positive. I will lead with a positive. I know I said that there weren't really any positives. You know what? I am going to take a positive out. Uh, Brandon Miller's handle, which I pre-draft, I, I I thought for a six-nine small forward that he had a really good handle uh, for his size. He looked good. It was wild a couple times. He got ripped a couple times, so I didn't love that. I I wanted it to be tighter, but he does have a good handle. I will give that to him. Um. I think if he was working with other players, obviously this isn't a hot take. I think he could have functioned better uh, with a better roster around him for summer league. I'm not even talking about LaMelo Ball and all that, right? But just um, he seemed to have spatial awareness. I'll say that. He had spatial awareness on the court and handles outside of that. I did not love what I, what I saw from Brandon Miller. And that includes the defensive end. Um, I would, we will be going uh, on YouTube soon, uh, working that all out currently. And if I had those capabilities, I would show you a couple possessions right now, which really have me concerned with Brandon Miller. Defensively, which is, Something I hoped that I wouldn't have to be worried about. I was, I, we were told that he was a plus defender day one and that that was going to be an attribute that translated immediately. That he would quite arguably be the best perimeter defender on the Charlotte Hornets from the jump and saw <laughs> Champigny. Got by him multiple times. I mean, just off the dribble, one-on-one, -on -one, off the dribble, got his shoulder into his chest, 
finishing at the rim on him. Uh, he got back cut a couple times. Don't love that where he's ball watching and he gets backdoor cut. He showed, you know, some motor, I guess, in transition. There were a couple of possessions where he did get back. He disrupted, you know, a pass forward, uh, an outlet pass, a lob attempt. He did have a good sequence where he closed out on some uh, on a shooter. I can't remember who it was in the corner. That was good. I guess I'm taking more positive, so I'll do that. But he had six points through three quarters. He scored 12 points in the fourth, which I guess is okay, but the Spurs were winning by 30. You could say that those were garbage minutes, which I guess you could say the whole game was garbage minutes. But I would argue that the first half, the team's trying to get back into it. I would argue that even in the third quarter, that the team is trying to claw back, that the coaching staff is you know, saying for both teams, for the Spurs, keep your foot on the gas. Uh, we do not want to give up this lead for the Hornets. Claw back. Cut this thing to 15. Cut this thing to double digits. Or to single digits. My fault. And so even though the Spurs were up by 30 nearly the entire damn game, the ga- I mean, the players were still playing hard. I would say through three quarters. They were probably still playing hard through four quarters. you got a lot of guys trying to prove themselves. A lot of times they're trying to do too much out there. They're trying to, uh, you know, show what they can do, and in doing so they show what they can't do, which is one of the funny things about Summer League. These guys are trying so hard to show what they can do, but a lot of times they end up showing what they can't do. And sometimes that's just dribble. Uh <laughs> Good handle in traffic, um, making good reads and passes, and not always looking to score or hit a jump shot or make it to the bucket uh, and finish there. It's Summer League is funny. It, it's a funny place. But Brandon Miller had six points through three quarters. He had 12 in the fourth. It seemed like a lot of garbage minutes to me. The Spurs knew that they were winning. It's easy to take your foot off the gas when you're up 30. Um, he had a couple shots, so, I mean, that that's great and all. But essentially, the Charlotte Hornets got blown out. And that's not what you want to see. Not from a competitive spirit. Not from, you know, pressurized moments. Just trying to figure out what you have. Summer League is so bad. And, and and the frustrating thing about this is we have one of the older Summer League rosters. Because, I mean, we have two third-year players on our team. James Booknight, Kai Jones. These dudes are not NBA players. I don't, like, it's over. It's a... And I guess you could call this a summer league overreaction. I guess you could call it that. For for a rookie to struggle in his first appearance, for a second-year player, okay. But when you have third-year guys who have been in the G League multiple years now, who have played in NBA games, who have been on multiple summer league rosters, Continuing to look the way that they look. That is just, these guys, there's there's no path forward for them to get minutes with the Charlotte Hornets. It's over. It's over. Kai Jones had zero rebounds. Zero. Kai Jones in his third year last night scored two points. Two points, guys, and had zero rebounds. The only stat, he had zero assists as well, and he had two steals. He had two steals. He didn't have a rebound. He couldn't catch a lob and finish it. He looks erratic. He is athletic as hell. 
but he cannot control his his body. He's erratic. He's all over the place. He's just he's not ready. And there's not a path forward for him. He's not a power forward. He can't shoot. He can't do any of those things, right? He just he just can't. Defensively, he provides energy, but sometimes that energy is bad energy because he's just everywhere. He gets out of position. He fouls. Um, he's still not quite strong enough to bang at the five, but he can't play the four. And so he's just – there's not a position for him. And then when you look at the Charlotte Hornets roster, Nick Richards is light years better. Mark Williams is light years better. P.J. Washington, should he be brought back, there's not a question. Miles Bridges, not a question. There's just not a spot. J.T. Thor, not a question. There's a reason why J.T. Thor is not on this summer league roster. The Charlotte Hornets have a feeling or have hold the position that they have a good feel for what J.T. Thor is. You don't have that for Kai Jones. You don't have that for James Booknight. That's why they're in the summer league. James Booknight. He had 12 points, okay? But then he did a bunch of nothing else. One rebound, one assist, one steal. Negative 11 on his time on the floor. Not, I mean, all Hornets were in the negative in the plus-minus box. But once again, just another player. Another player who's not protecting the ball well enough indecisive that's that's the biggest thing with book night and he's in his own head he's indecisive when the ball comes to him and he's in an advantageous situation he doesn't go like there's too many times he'll get it he'll make one dribble towards the basket and he'll he'll do a retreat dribble he'll do a step back and that's fine but that can't be your move every time you can't catch the ball and then just scan and wait. The game moves too fast. The defense is in their position already. You just can't be this indecisive, and that is James Booknight's greatest weakness. He's too indecisive. Kai Jones, too erratic. There's no path for them to play on the senior squad. There's there there's not. And so the 2021 first rounders for the Charlotte Hornets, they will I'm gonna say something right here and I I'll be shocked if I'm wrong. They will never play meaningful basketball for the Charlotte Hornets on a continuous basis. They may receive spot showings due to injuries. At times, these guys are buried on the depth chart. There's there's no path pathway forward for them. They should not be struggling this much in the summer league against rookies and second-year players when they're in their third year and they're first-round picks. They just shouldn't. They just shouldn't. Um, Nick Smith Jr. did some good things last night, I guess. Uh, once again... I, you're losing by 30 the entire game. You want to see a tenacity. Going back to James Booknight and Kai Jones, all they've done, all they've done is is lose in their professional career. That's all they've done. They look like they are too comfortable with losing at this point, which is another concern of mine. And maybe that's fault of the organization. But it, I, I think that we can also assume that it is a fault of their own. For as much personality and good vibes as Kai Jones gives off, uh, I don't see that. I don't see a guy who just has this drive to win. And maybe it's because all he's done is lose since he became 
a professional. Same thing for James Booknight. He just he doesn't look into it. He just looks like he's just out there. The summer league, we are one of the worst summer leagues, league teams every single year. All three years that they've been here. Now, I know James Booknight didn't play last year because of his wrist, but first year, now here again. And, I mean, it's ugly losses. It's not like we're in close games and we're just losing at the end. We're getting blown out by 20-plus in multiple of these games. I mean, it just it's crazy. I don't know how to explain it. But then Greensboro, like the Swarm are not good. They're not good, and they should be. We have multiple first-rounders there. We have multiple draft picks that we send. We have multiple two-way guys who have been in the league for multiple years, and they're just not any good. So at what point do you say, maybe these guys just don't have it? I mean, they shouldn't be getting blown out in the G League and in Summer League this often. And then when they do play with the Hornets, during the regular season, we're losing. So all they've done is lose. And I, at some point, we can't have that. I, it, they look like they are too comfortable with losing. It's like some, I, I don't know how to explain it. They're, especially, especially Book Knight's body language. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's so bad. Mick Smith Jr., um, had a couple nice finishes at the rim, mid-range, loose with his handle, didn't love that, uh, looked to be playing hard, but, you know, down 20, down 30, you wanted to see guys playing hard. He he seemed to look the part in that category. Not a lot of positives to take, though. I mean, I... I don't know what to tell you. Bryce McGowan's wasn't great last night. Um, he showed a little bit more command of the offense, I guess you could say, but he didn't shoot it well. Uh, missed some open shots that you would have liked to see him hit. Um, so that wasn't great. Leaky Black, two-way player out of North Carolina. Zero of three from three. Uh, did not score. Great defensive player. Um, I think that's why the Hornets signed him to that two-way because if he can develop, he would be your prototypical 3 and D guy. He has the length. He has the size. He has the defensive capabilities. All he has to do is uh, learn a three-point shot. He's He has to acquire a three-point shot, and he can be in the league for a long time, actually. It's just will it ever be there because it wasn't there in college. We'll see what happens with Leaky Black. But last thing on Brandon Miller, I – Sure, 18 points. It ended up looking good at the end of the night. A lot of that seemed like garbage points to me. He had six turnovers. He fouled seven times, which is that's hilarious. It's something that they allow in summer league. They're like, yeah, nah, play the young guys. We, we ain't trying to foul out and limit minutes and all of those things. You want to see more out of a number two overall pick, right? That's – I mean, essentially, at the end of the day, that's what you want. You wanted to see a guy who had better control, not when it comes to handles, but when it comes to, you know, just all-around game. When he drove to the basket, he had no lift. He had no lift. He had no strength. Uh, he, he did end up getting one and one at the end of the game, which is hilarious because I tweeted out earlier – it may be year two or three before we see the guy convert one because on his first like four or five attempts, he didn't hit rim. Like he's going in, he draws contact, and like these are summer league players, right? Like what are you going to do against actual NBA rotational players? Like these are summer league guys. These are all guys fighting for like the final positions on rosters outside of maybe, you know, your top. 10, 15 picks in the draft, right, from this year and maybe last year. But every team has what? One, two of those guys on their team that are actually going to make the senior roster. There aren't many guys. 
there aren't many teams that have three, four, five guys who are going to be on the final roster. Now, the Charlotte Hornets do, but none of them are NBA ready. The James Book Knights, the Kai Jones, uh, like those guys are going to be on the 15-man roster, barring a trade. So we do, but these other teams we're playing against, like he wasn't hitting rim. Against Summer League guys. Uh, and these were my concerns prior, moving forward, like before the draft. He seems like a 3 and D type guy. And that's about, like at this point, at this juncture, he's going to have to develop. And yeah, maybe we should be, maybe we should be more patient. Scoot Henderson, we weren't going to have to be patient with. He's going to be ready day one. Is he going to have areas in which he needs to improve? Sure. I'm not saying that he's not. But Brandon Miller is going to have to develop, develop. I don't want to draft a 3 and D guy with the number two overall pick. That's not what you want to do. You do that later on in the draft. You do that with a leaky black who did not get drafted at all. Now, did Brandon Miller deserve to get drafted? Of course. That's not what I'm stating here. But the concerns were last night scoring inside the paint. It was not there. The strength inside the paint was not there. The shot did not fall throughout the game until the game was completely out of hand and over. And so he ended up making the stat line look pretty good by the end of the night. But when you watched with your eyes for four quarters of basketball, the first three were underwhelming as hell. Now, the good thing is we have multiple more games. The good thing is the kid's 20. He has plenty of time to develop. But last night did not instill or inject any kind of confidence. And I think you're reaching if you say otherwise. I I just do. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hive Hoops. We're going to be coming at you all summer long. Be sure to rate, subscribe, review all those things. You can also find us at Hornets Lead on Twitter, at Hornets Lead, also at Hive Hoops. Uh, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. You can find me at Balta77 as well. Those are all the Twitter handles, all the places where you can find us, bringing Hornets content online via podcast. Sometimes I write as well. Might dip into that a little bit more this offseason. But got a lot more coming your way. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Until next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops. Presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.